All right, are we, we're already 15 seconds in. Yeah, it's all right, dude. We're going to cut it. No, cut it. Cut, cut it. These <laughs> issues way too high. You need to cut it. Cut all right, it. Right, are, we, are we? I'm just going to go three, two, one at 30 seconds then. Yeah. Three, two, we are live. Episode seven. No one told me hockey podcast. Jack, what's going on? Let's go, dude. I'm actually fired up for this one. I'm dialed. I'm you dialed. fired me up earlier in the day today. Now my juices are flowing. I'm excited to get this one going. How are we doing today? I'm doing Give me the rundown. I'm doing good. Busy, busy day today. Coming up on the end of unit two in one of my classes. So finishing up some dissections, a little biology class. I and forget that you're you're still a student. Oh, I don't. I don't forget. <laughs> it is sucks, so much work. Um, keeps me busy though. Keeps me busy. So schoolwork, we had practice prepping for a playoff game this weekend. Um, and away we go. Episode seven. That's crazy that like the, for, especially for D3, like the college season ends so early. Like if you lose this weekend, you're done. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Beginning of middle of February, done with hockey already. You know what? And I thought about that, but now the division one season starts earlier. But I'm looking yep. at the Division One schedule because I'm going to go to the Union Harvard game on Friday night, oh, cool. and they only have this weekend and next weekend, and then they start their playoffs too. So it's only like oh, really, it's it's not it is longer. Like I think North Dakota has this weekend, next weekend, and one more. Okay, but I mean it's within the next two three weeks that everybody kind of wraps up. How many games do you play in Division One? Thirty. Uh, I want to say I should know this. Probably thirty four. 34. Okay. I want to say 34. Okay. I think we played 25. Yes. Which I think is so. not very many at all. No, especially coming from juniors, you're playing like 80 games, sometimes 60 plus playoffs. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I want to get into this real quick. So, you know, I told you about my new camera and stuff last week. I'm like excited to go rollerblade. Well, I ended up having three strip screws, had to battle those out with like buy a little rig piece, pull them out. So I get all my skates situated. I'm so jacked today. I get my camera. So I was filming today. I get back to the car. My front toe cap of my rollerblade exploded. It's exploded. cracked all all in the front. Like So you're done. Cracked. You're done. It's done. I don't know when it cracked. Like if it was cracking while I was skating or what. But I was still able to skate around. So you kind of got through. Now I had that. I had that happen in a game with on like ice like the, yeah. the toe cap burst off and i thought i was in a corner battle i thought oh my god did i just break my ankle and i was like no and i looked at like cause you feel that huge like drop it's like a drop of pressure almost because your skate's so tight right so i looked down and my whole toe cap was off and then what happened it happened with my laces once so i always have an extra pair of skates like with me oh, after dude, that i'm so rattled like i just put so much work into these skates and now i gotta buy new ones it's like i can't catch a break could you tape it that's what I was style. thinking. It would not be good style. But super glue? Like, just throw some super glue? There's some guy on my men's league team that I'm sure we're going to get into men's league at some point that Absolutely. tapes the white cap. Like, tapes the cap of his skate with white tape. And, I mean, he flies around, so could work. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's rollerblading at the end of the day. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But still, eventually, maybe I'll get a sponsee from yeah. a company and uh, get some new wheels under me. That would be nice. Some videos for him. Yeah. So... I was just thinking about this. So last week for my men's league game, do you ever feel the pressure that like you have to score in men's league because like you played college hockey and like high levels of juniors and stuff? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. Not only on myself, I'm putting that pressure, 
But now yeah. that my buddies know that I'm like playing and they kind of know I play on Monday, Tuesdays, they'll yeah. like, te- they'll like text me before. How to, how's it going? Like, good luck tonight. I can't wait to hear the stat yeah. line. If I report a zero and zero stat line to them, yeah. I, I just, I, I won't live it down for the next week. I know, dude. And like, I was, so I was having this revelation about like my hockey career and I'm still doing it in men's league now where it's like, I don't know why I put this pressure on me to score. Like I've never been a goal scorer nope. my whole life. I've always got, I've always gotten assists. Like I'm a good passer. I like to create, but for some reason I still continue to put this unnecessary pressure on myself to score. You know what I feel like it? And I've had this conversation with a couple of my buddies is like, you go into a men's league game and everybody's going to get there. It doesn't matter whether you, whatever league you play yeah, in right now, right. <clears throat> you go into a men's league game and you're expecting out of yourself, like two, three points. It's like, I better have a goal and two assists or two and one or something right. that, that is what McDavid feels like in the NHL. Isn't that messed up? Dead serious. Like that is what he must feel like. If he doesn't get one or two points, he's like, I played horrible. He's yeah, on pace I, for I mean, like 160 or something. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't even imagine suiting up for an NHL game and you're least at least expecting minimum one point, if not baseline two. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what it feels like. I'd be pumped if I didn't get score like didn't go dash three out there. Oh my god, it'd be pumped minimum to dash the ice. Minimum like, dash. It's yeah, insane. <laughs> it's that's insane. Great. Do you think like do you think the NHL is becoming men's league to him almost? Like you're like a decent men's league. I think what is kind of funny story that attaches to this is like when Matthews joined the league, he had that four goal game. His first game was a four goal. That game. was remember I, we were, I was in Springfield. We watched that. Yeah. We watched together. it together. And mm-hmm. Craig Anderson was the goalie for Ottawa at the time. It was against Ottawa. Uh-huh. And after the game, they did a stick exchange, Matthews and Anderson and Matthews wrote on his stick. Like, thanks for a memorable night with, like, four, the number four. And Craig Anderson wrote on his, like, welcome to our men's league, dash Craig Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy. Though. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. That is pretty cool. If I was Anderson, though, I'd be kind of pissed if I got that. Well, I think I he may have done it first. Like, he may have done the welcome to our men's league first. Oh, and then he okay. said, like, thanks right. for a memorable night or something like that. I think okay. it's that. I'm pretty... I know for a fact it's Matthews. I know Craig Anderson's involved. So if somebody fact yeah. checks me, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. But I could be wrong. No one's fact checking you on this podcast. That's true. No one's. Fact I'm not, and you're not. So we're good. No, no, exactly. So I called you earlier today, and you're walking in your house, and you said that your house reeks. Why? Give okay. me the rundown <laughs> on what is going on. Okay, in the there's house. a little. There's a little. Reeks is a strong. <laughs> I got some candles lit right now. For my body, it yeah, but not it's re- not like it's not like it was because of you. No, like no, no, your habits. It was because of something. Yes, yeah, so it was because of my biology class. I just mentioned end of unit two. A little bit of dissections going on. Right now, it's an online course, right? It's a post back pre med course, and they send you the dissection kit. So little That's did so I know hard. that for this unit, I had to dissect an earthworm and a cockroach. <laughs> And a sea star. So they're all dead when they they're, all, them, they're right? all dead. They're but they're packaged up with this nasty smelling chemical that like keeps them from like rotting. I don't know what I don't know what it is. Is that okay. I don't know what it is. So anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, today is February 15th on the recording, which means yesterday yeah. was Valentine's Day, February 14th. So I spent my Valentine's Day dissecting an earthworm 
and not just dissecting an earthworm. The assignment was to cut the earthworm in half, open it up, and label the anus. So I'm looking for earthworm's okay. anus. You're getting, a little action. You're getting a little action on Valentine's Day I'm still. sitting there. I'm sweating because <laughs> the assignments do. I got a lot to do. I got practice to worry about. And I'm sitting here trying to find the anus of an earthworm on Valentine's Day. That's how, now, I, did, spent, that's how I spent my did, day. Did you have to use one of your own knives from like your kitchen? No, or they, they, they send you a 20-piece dissection kit. 20-piece dissection what, kit. What is that? What comes in the dissection kit? Oh, you ever see Dexter? Whole thing. You ever see Dexter? We used to watch it together. Yeah, yeah. I have. Okay. Like, if you needed to take apart a body, I got the tools now. Like, if I was worried, I was worried. I, so, okay. I did not leave the earthworm on my desk when I left. I put the earthworm in the trash can, but I left the tools out. Now, in my apartment building, the apartment people have, like, the power to walk into your room whenever they want to, like. What? Because there's, like, a, I don't know, there's, like, a door that's locked that's got, like, their stuff in it that controls, oh, like, the place. right. You know? Yeah. So it's in our thing to like, they can come in and like, whatever they want. So I'm worried yeah. all day now, not only that I just spent Valentine's Day dissecting an earthworm's ass, not only that I got practice in a playoff game coming up, not only do I have a men's league playoff game at nighttime, mm-hmm. but now I'm, now I'm worried that they're going to come in and see that I got tools, chemical tools and chemicals and knives and shit all over my apartment. They're going to think I'm some sort of serial killer. This is, this is Dahmer-esque. Yes. Behavior out of you right now. Yes. <laughs> the smell, the tools, the everything. smell, the tools, a dead earthworm. It was a tough, it was a, but I finished. I finished. You know, it, you know what they say? It starts with animals it, and it, it progresses from there. It, it starts with excessive, unnecessary homework, but I love it. I do love it. So I give, I give <laughs> some credit. So did you dissect the cockroach too, or you haven't got to that unit? I have not got to that unit. I have a cockroach in my cabinet. That's a weird thing to say, but it's, it's boxed up. I think I would throw up if I had to cut open a cockroach. I, you know what, I, you know what I tried to do is a little grossed out with the earthworm, but I kind of detached Ooh. myself from it. I was like, all right, like it's just an assignment. It's dead. Like, just gotta was get it, into it. Was it still like gooey, or was it all hard? Because you know when you cut open a worm, it can be kind of like gooey. It was a little gooey. It's a little so gooey. Gross. How long do you think that thing was dead for? I have no idea. It could have been probably a long time. But it's got that juice, so it's like kind of goopy still. Ew, ew, that's unreal. All right, so tell me about your uh, men's league game. So you said you had a playoff game. Had a little playoff game at nighttime. It was this was big. We've been looking for this all year. Guys are fired up. One guy walks in and he, he's kind of glum. His dog passed away, so the good camaraderie pregame. We're kind of consoling him, kind of all getting on the same page emotionally. Yeah. God bless him. He's a great dude. We get on the ice and. It's intense. Like we got wives in the stands. It's Valentine's Day. So some guy sacrificed that. I don't think if I had a significant other, I would be sacrificing Valentine's Day for a men's league playoff game. Dude, it's a playoff game. That's true too. That's true. So there were some wives and kids. We got two refs, a scorekeeper, music in between the whistles. It's great. Right? Intense right off the top. Vibes are high. I'm playing good. I score one early. I score another one late. Anyway, the story gets good at four to four. Because Ooh, what we were, period? What period? This is the end of the second. Okay. It's four to four, end of the second. It's getting intense. I go up to the ref. I took matters into my own hands because are you, you're cat. Are you captaining? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You, but I've ca- been very friendly you, with the wait, ref. Did you go? Did you go designated captain? Did no, you no. Here's why. Captain? <laughs> Our captain <laughs> was at the Daytona 500, or is going to the Daytona 500. He wasn't Ooh. there, and 
the guys were. Does he have a C on his jersey? Does he have a C on his jersey? No, no, but he should. He okay. Should. Okay. So. I go to the ref. I say, ref, the last two goals that they scored, they were offsides. Am I wrong? Essentially, I said, I'm genuinely asking. Gotta be nice to him. He says, no. He says, no. Like, I miss those. Like, we're missing those calls. Like, we'll be on it. Great. Start of the period, we get a power play, right? Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. It was a penalty. We get a power play. We go up 6 4. Great. Looks like we're going to win this game. Now we got an in zone draw, three minutes left in the game. I'm lined up as the inside D. They got a shooter right behind the center. So I call okay. it out, right? I got two hands on my stick. I point it out. <laughs> shooter, shooter, shooter. Right? Just like that. Yeah. Shooter, shooter, shooter. And sure enough, what do you think happens? They snap it back to him. What's he doing? He's shooting. He's shooting. And guess what I do? And I I think back at how stupid this was. Do you wear, Are you wearing a visor out there, by the no, way? No, I'm full cage. I'm full, All right, good, full good. Gear. We get into that, too. Okay. What do I do? Don't I, tell me you lay down. Don't tell I'm me going you lay knee, down. I'm going knee down. Boom. Eat it. Clear to the corner. Clear it. You you ate it. I, I eat it like big time. Eat right. But I'm, but I'm wait. It's a playoffs. How can you not? It's a best true, of three series. True, We're trying I to might. set the tone. It's best wait, of three. it's a best of three. Best of three. Oh yeah. That's under dude. That could get heated. Oh well. Don't worry. The best part of the story oh. is coming up. Oh, so we clear it. We clear it. <gasps> Line change. I'm off the ice. Get myself off. Minute twenty. Short shifts. They come in the zone. They rip one. It goes right off of our guy into the netting. So where should the draw be, Jack? Uh, right off of our player. Yeah, in zone. In zone. The yeah. ref, the ref who's been butchering calls all game in their favor. The hockey gods are looking out for the ticket snobs of Bedford, New Hampshire. He puts the face off outside the zone. So the other team loses it. I'm talking, not exaggerating. Three game misconducts. Boom. Boom. He was teeing them up. Teed up three guys. And the snobs. I would be doing that same shit. Oh, and the snobs take game one, six, four, eat the clock, 20 seconds left on a five on three power play. We're looking to end. We're looking to end some seasons next week. Ooh, you know, that's a great feeling when you know you're going into a game and you could potentially end a season. Oh, season spoiler. I love it. That game, that game is going to be heated. Oh, if they win. Imagine game three. Oh, my God. Oh my god, there might be full on brawls out there. I gotta keep my hand up. Some of the guys I play men's league with, like they're looking for fights out there. I'm like, dude, yeah. relax a little bit. Like, oh my god, same same guys every week being on my team and on other teams, running their, like going crazy. I went to the front of the net. The guy boxed me out. He boxed out. Boom, boxed me out. And guess what I did? Oh, guess what oh. I did? I said, buddy, I'm all set. Like that's why I said I'm all set. He goes, looks at me, dead, makes my job, <laughs> makes my job easier. I said, oh my I said okay, buddy, it's okay. 1045. <laughs> guy, guy, you got work in the morning. All right. I don't want to ruin your whole whole week. All yeah, right. let's let's settle, settle down. down. Let's settle oh, down. Oh, those guys. I got a cross check in the back last week. Like I tried to <laughs> like do I stopped and like I spun around the first guy and then this guy like cross checked me in the back. And I was like, Are you kidding me right now? I was so pissed. I got to eat them because I fuck, I tripped them after you got a penalty, but Immensely. yeah, because I was so pissed. I'll, that was my only first penalty of the year. Okay, I don't take fair. penalties. That's fair. Would you wear, would you wear a visor out there ever? There's, there's zero. If there, is there anything less than zero in this? There's, I would never, ever yeah. in my whole life put on a visor. Me Why? Neither. I don't get it. There's nobody there. No. Well, like Even it, if people are there, what what am I proving? No, I, I don't know. 
I don't know, never ever will put on a visor. I've seen guys get in the face. I've seen guys get in the chest. I've seen guys get Especially in the knees. with guys who don't know. Guys don't know how to control their sticks out there. Oh like, guys are just flying them around everywhere. I'm not getting in the middle of that. No. Like that. And I hate this excuse like, oh, like you can't see out of a cage. Wear it for one day. You'll be fine. Oh, my God. I, I feel like, I feel like so uh, some college hockey players, I don't know, name a few of them, Luke Hughes. I don't know. Those guys are pretty good. They see out of a cage pretty fine. So no problem. Yeah. The, the bars don't seem to get in their way. No, no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No chance. I would ever wear a visor out there. Negative. No. Negative no. chance. Shoulder pads. You are you a shoulder pads guy? I wear shoulder pads. Yeah, you have to. I like, I like being in my full gear. I don't mind. Like I'm not trying to get hurt. How could you, I, I posted a video on whatever TikTok or whatever the other week. And some guy was tripping me for not wearing, for wearing shoulder pads. I'm like, I like wearing them. I don't mind them. It's not like yeah. they're uncomfortable. No, they're totally fine. And <laughs> God forbid somebody shoots one and you get tipped into your chest or something. I, you don't need right. that. You or if I fall, land on my shoulder. Now yeah. I'm going to work with like a sling on. Now I'm yeah. wearing a sling to work. And now yeah, people you're are not asking trying to be the sling guy. Why? Why? <laughs> why I have a sling on? Also, yeah, that's I, why I don't wear a visor. Because now I go to work on Tuesday and now I got a missing tooth and a black eye. Yeah, you're not looking for that. I don't need that. No, nobody does. <laughs> I got bigger looking. problems than that. No, that's an avoidable that. one. That is that's a an very avoidable one. Very avoidable. Oh, wow. All right, we'll we'll move on from that tangent. So let's get into a little hockey talk. Last week we did a little series, and we're going to keep it going here. We did we covered defensemen on their responsibilities and roles in the D zone, neutral zone, and offensive zone. So now we're going to move on to wingers and. We're going to start in the D zone. I was just thinking about this. Should we do goalies one time? I don't think we know. I don't know if I have goalies. the knowledge. Maybe we bring <laughs> on a guest. Know. I don't know, but we could try. First guest. First guest, maybe. So, okay. Regardless, we'll start with wingers in the D zone. I'm going to throw it at you first. What do you think the wingers are responsible for in the D zone? So I would say there's probably three three big things, but one is going to go to all three zones, and I'll touch on it in all three zones. Okay. I would okay. say the first thing that's going to happen in all three zones, underrated, huge responsibility for a winger is going to be off that face off. You got to engage with the winger that's next to you. So yep. if you win the draw, right, likely those guys that are lined up next to you, those wings, they're trying to go get that puck, right? They're going to go start their forecheck, especially in the D zone. Yep. So to give mm-hmm. that D some time, you should step into that winger, right? Create a little bit of a battle. One, two, don't interfere with them, right? And then release let that guy go. Now you go to your position. So we'll go there's to that. Nothing better. There's nothing better than a wing that sets a pick. Oh. Whether it's in the O zone, defensive zone, it creates time for your other teammates who pick up the puck. Oh, it's great. It is. It makes life so much easier. So that now yeah. that goes to all three zones. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, 100%. You got to tie up or you got to engage right away. Yeah. And I would say my other two big ones, and I want to hear your two big ones after, is number one responsibility in the D zone wingers if you get that puck we gotta get that puck out right we don't need you throwing it to the middle a lot of the times and it depends on the system we don't really need you coming back right if you give it to you we don't we don't really want it back right away unless you're running a bump back up the weak side system which some teams may do that but you get that puck on a uh, puck battle on the wall stay on the d side just as we talked about with d if you have it let's get it out right soft chip to space maybe we look to the weak side but we can't be turning pucks over on the half wall. That's my number one. My number two, right? Let's get in shot lanes, 
right? Mm -hmm. Really, really elite wingers are very, very good at getting in lanes to the point where it's like for a D, it's like, oh my God, like I just got to dump it back in the corner. And that's a win for a winger, right? If my D, oh yeah, if yep. my D dumps it back in the corner, I've done my yep. job, right? My head's on yep. a swivel now. I look to them. I look to the corner. So those would be my yep. two things. What, what what would they be for you? So I want to add to your getting in the lane because that is huge. Like, there's nothing harder than being a defenseman and there's a guy in your lane every time you look up. But for wingers, this is what I think about when you, in terms of getting in the lane. First, don't worry about going out at the defenseman right away because you're going to be in a bad angle usually get work yourself into the shot lane first and then get up ice that's a great point right so take your direct line to get in the shot lane so then when he does catch that puck you're automatically in the shot lane you're not like taking an angle to try to get meet him or something and now you're not in the lane so work to get oh you got a little situation Uh oh i think someone just knocked on Fletcher's door potentially so um, we, what boys what happened what okay well, did the maintenance is, come no this is gonna be great for the pod oh my oh, god, god. Oh, my, go my dryer like starts smoking when like when like a, what do you call the strings on your pants I don't know. Yeah, the strings. Like the I don't know. Somehow the strings get caught, and I hear this noise, and I see oh, smoke like coming out of my. Like the yes. Ties? Oh. I see smoke coming out of my dry every time. And it starts to smell a little bit, and I heard the noise like. I was like, I got, I got to leave real quick. So I'm sorry, oh, listeners. Okay. That's where I was. Back no. to the talk. Yeah. So get in the shot. Work to get in the shot lane, then out into okay. the shot lane. Good stick. You got to have a good stick, active stick, in line with his at all times. Okay. So. Back to mine, I think, so this is coming into the D zone. You have to make sure you are picking up a guy coming back into the D zone. You And it, it has to be a guy that's in the play. You know, if there's a guy coming down the far right side, like near the wall, and there's a guy coming down the middle, like you should probably pick up the guy coming to the middle. So you have to be aware. You have to be head checking on your back check and you have you can't go on the back check and not pick someone up even yeah. if it's your d-man pick him up be on him so when they're taking line rushes there's no opportunity for your guy to get lost behind you you have to be able to pick guys up i agree 100 percent. yeah it helps so much as a defenseman there's nothing better than a guy a winger who's picking someone up because now it just eliminates one more guy that you have to worry about on a line rush well i'd say that and right like so jack just said right you got to pick up somebody who's in the play or joining the play right in transition right a lot of guys will just bury their head and skate back as far as they can yeah right and as hard as they can right you need to have your head up as you're moving right because the d the strong side d probably has the puck carrier the weak yeah. side d either has the guy driving the middle or the weak side guy which means the first forward back which could be a winger or it could be a center who do you have you now have the late forward their late yep. forward entering the zone and then guess right. what you talk about counting jerseys that only leaves two other players. So yep. those two guys got the D so that, and, right. uh, and a lot of the times people will, they'll, they call it like pucky sucky, right? Like they'll go right to the puck versus yep. I should just go back by numbers, right? Look, see who I have and then work out from there. Right. And one thing, one thing also that I think is important is I, I kind of touched on it a little, like when I was describing that is, but like back check, like to the middle, and then you can work out 
to your spot from there. So if you're a winger, back check towards those like inside hash marks because pucks are gonna pucks are gonna drop right in that area, and you're gonna be in a position to pick up a guy, pick up a stick, or pick up the puck. And then from there, if nothing happens, work out to your spot. Oh, you know, oh yeah. Work towards the wall. Don't don't be hanging out back checking down the down the outside dots. There's you're a great useless. there's a great drill called through the guts. I've seen it now with a couple teams. They do it here. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have done it. Basically, players in all four corners, uh, one coach at the top of the circles right in the middle and another coach identical on the other side. On the whistle, those guys are going to back check through the dots. So they're going to kind of slope mm-hmm. up. The, whoever's going to call for it, coach is going to throw it off that wall. Now they're transitioned and they're coming back the other way. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a great way to work on it. Right. And then so and then my other thing is if you're that if you're that winger, you have to be aware of where your defenseman is at all times. Oh yeah. You have to be constantly head checking, being in a spot where you're putting yourself to be in a good position to deny passes up the wall to that defenseman. Because if you're in a good spot, they're not gonna get it's hard to get the puck up to them. And now you're just eliminating a guy out of their offensive scheme. So if you you got to be head checking, you got to have good stick, good body position, and be aware of where that D is. You can't allow him to go on your backside, and now they're finding him backdoor and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. I had a lot of I as a player early on, like this is probably <clears throat> early high school. Mm-hmm. Like I had a lot of success, right? As a D, if you yep. realize that your winger's like sleeping and he's just watching the puck, you jump right into that slot. And boom, now I'm wide open. I get a shot. And I think that as a winger, right, knowing that, that that's what D are looking for, you have to be aware of where that guy is headed. If he's in a slot, boom, you're in the slot. If he's headed down the wall, either you're passing him off to the D and you're taking the four that's drop passing it to him or you're going with him. Right. Yep. That's what that's main. One of the main things I look for when I'm at the point, if is where his back is, like where, where his back and head are. If they're not torn, if his are, if his back is to me, I'm trying to find a lane yeah. to get open. Absolutely. Because it's it's easy. It's easy. So, all right. So, now those were some great things in the defensive zone. Let's go into the neutral zone. So, we get the puck out. What's we going with now? I say I would say so for me, right, let's look at something in the hockey world we call the five-foot areas. So, that would be five feet over the blue line on both sides, right? So, I guess mm-hmm. it would be 10 feet total on each blue line. Right. For a winger, right. It is your responsibility. You got to win the five foot areas. The whole team does necessarily. Yeah. So in the changes games. Oh, changes changes it. Changes it. So as a winger now, I'm entering the offensive zone. I'm in the neutral zone still. Number one responsibility, just about how I talked about getting pucks out in the D zone. You got to get pucks in and you got to get pucks past that five foot rule. Right. Because if you turn it over there, a lot of the times we're going to be swinging. Our D may be changing. You may want to change, right? We got to get pucks in, right? And when we do, yeah. those dumps need to be attainable, just as we talked about with the D. Now, on the defensive side, I would say that the number one thing, at least my, not number one, because I already said that getting pucks in was number one, a very large, yeah. I could say number one on the defensive side. Yeah, that's right? what you said, defensive yeah. side. Number good, one on yeah. the defensive side would be, there are a lot of opportunities to use your stick and body positioning to force opponents where you want them to. Yep. So for example, right, I know I have my 2D that are inside the dots. If I now as a winger go outside the dots, where am I forcing their opponent? Where am I forcing that guy to go? I'm forcing him into the middle. I don't want that, right? I want to set my D up for success. 
So if I position myself kind of to the inside, I can force that guy up the wall and force a dump. We call it like creating a hinge or creating a triangle, right? Mm -hmm. Use your body positioning and angle and force that guy, right? Take good neutral zone angles to dump it or place it in an area where our guys can get to it first. So knowing where you are on the ice can be a huge benefit for that. I'll add to that. Like, even if you don't, you know, take a great angle and you don't force that dump, but you're with that guy and you're on his back hip for a defenseman, it makes it so much easier to have confidence to be able to gap up and make a play on him where now the defenseman can force a dump because you know that if say you get walked or he chips it around you or something, you have that forward kind of coming now on your backside. Like if he were to, you know, make a move on you or something now that the winger can kind of take your spot. Yep. So you have a little bit more freedom as a defenseman when you have that winger also like kind of on the forward, the guy's backside yep. to be a little bit more aggressive and like play it more aggressively and force dumps and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like I think if I look at like teams that did this really, really well, I want to say that Tampa runs a one, three, one, four check. And I also want to say that Quinnipiac runs a one, three, one, four check. I think they do. We got that. We run the same neutral zone as they do. And they did such, such a good job. Both these teams do. Yep. Right. Their wingers are not flying all over the place. Right. They have a D that's so good at going back and getting pucks that like it's not a huge issue. Yep. But their D are in their wingers are in the perfect position to where they're forcing that player to make a play. They're not giving them yep. the middle of the ice. They're aware of where they're on on the ice. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a center, a D and a winger. Sometimes it's a D, D and a center. Like it doesn't matter. Right. It's a yep. five man sport. You could be anywhere at any time. But I would say, Teams like that, if you watch their wingers, we talked about watching NHL hockey last time, right? If you watch what they're doing, right? Notice their body positioning, notice where they're forcing guys. So I would say getting pucks in and knowing where you are on the ice, those are my two for the neutral zone. Yep. So I, I had the exact same thing written down for like the first one about um, blue lines is you cannot turn pucks over at the blue lines, whether it's your own blue line or their blue line. And like you said, five foot rule, like it, it is so important that you get it beyond those lines like because like like you said again it messes up changing line changes especially for defensemen because forwards once you kind of get it into the neutral zone like usually a winger center can change and there's no repercussions defensemen you can't unless you're the near side d and it's like a turnover at the far blue line then you're probably fine but that far side d if you you have to get it all the way into the zone for that guy to have confidence to come over and get off. It would be such so an interesting. It is so important. It would be that part. such an interesting statistic to see how many goals are scored off of failed entries in the second period. Right? Because yeah, that right. long change. Oh, that's the worst. Like, so you, do you get caught out there for two minutes at a time, minute 45 mm-hmm. at a time, which in college is a super long shift. Like, you'd hope to be between yeah. 30 yeah. and 50 probably. Right. So, on that entry, right, if we do a non-attainable dump, as in we dump it, we hard rim it, like we talked about last time, and we go for a change, or I turn over, oh, I'm right by the bench, I could change, I'm just one of five guys, whoa, 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 now you've set everything into disaster in terms of the forecheck, in terms of where you want to be on the ice. Yep, it's not, yeah, it's not just about you. And then the other thing I, this kind of goes for offensive zone and neutral zone, is if you're skating up with the puck, change your angle of skating. Don't just skate in a straight line. So utilize crossovers to get that defenseman to kind of have to move his feet a little bit because it's really easy to gap up on a 
on a forward that's just skating straight down the wall. Yep. You know, so use your angles to kind of change the way you're skating, change your angles to make it a little bit harder to defend against. Yeah, I would agree. And I would, it creates more space for you. I would agree 100%. Like as a D, right, especially young D, like youth audience we're probably talking to, right? You're yeah. taught to, right, watch the chest, right? I'm going to stay square to that guy. So if I can like point my skates in one direction, get that D to shift, and then explode in the other direction, there's a great goal that Kucherov scored against the Panthers in game one of last year's playoffs, I want to say. He kind of came uh-huh. in. He got square to the corner. Ekblad kind of shifted. Kucherov exploded in the other direction. He had a two-on-one. Like, it was a beautiful, yep. beautiful play. And I, yep. you talk about, right, that's a high-level D, watching the shoulders of a high-level player, right? So if you're a youth hockey player, right, and you can get D who aren't as developed as Ekblad, right, yeah. to start crossing yeah. over, right, use that to your advantage. It'd be huge. I was just going to say, if you can get a defenseman to cross over, you, now you, you've you've totally just opened yourself up to the other side and you have, you'll probably have so much room to cut back and now make a play because as soon as they cross over they're all their body shifting that way. Now their feet are getting tangled up in a sense. Now they have to get back towards the other way. It just creates a whole nother level of problems when you cross over. Oh, so I think, yeah, changing your angle is big for guys skating in the neutral zone and as they enter the offensive zone. So we talked a little bit about, I just want to touch on this. We got to at the end of last pod a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing what the enemy is doing, right? You, so I think the analogy yeah. you said was like war. Maybe I said that analogy. Right. I don't know. but I said that. Yeah. I said that. The, right, as a winger, right, I know the D wants to deny the middle. So if I can attack the yeah. middle, oh, mm-hmm. if I can attack the middle at the right time, that's awesome. Do you know yeah. as a winger, the D do not want to cross over. If I can make that D cross over, that's great. You know as a winger, that if I turn it over, they're going to try to catch me in transition. So if I do turn it over, I got to stop on that puck. I got to sprint back, right? So yep. knowing what the opponent is doing is going to be huge for success at any level. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you feel about, so this is kind of same kind of concept of coming from the neutral zone into the offensive zone. How do you feel about getting the importance of getting the puck to the middle and then distributing from there? So my U16 team. We were a very solid team, and the coach harped every single day. We would do this drill. We'd have three lines on the blue line, the far blue line. Pucks mm-hmm. would be in the middle, and the center would skate it into the zone, and he'd kick it out, right? Enter in the middle, he'd kick it out. You're yep. forcing the D to make a decision. I can't give this guy a breakaway. I'm going to move over. Now I kick it out. I create space. I drive the net. To this day, and every single rep of three-on-twos that I see in practice, that I see in games, that we watch in NHL, when there's a net drive and when the puck's been distributed from the middle to the outside, that's when you see success. I agree, especially like if you're taking a line rush as a defenseman, you you and your def- defensive partner now have to communicate who's going to slide over to take that guy in the middle. Oh, and yeah. then from there they distribute. But if you're just skating, you have the puck on the outside, it is so much easier for a defenseman to gap up on you and take away options. If you're just skating in the zone on the wall, now he can take away that option. Now this, now your other defenseman has to make a decision, but it takes away, it kind of eliminates you if he has a good gap and a good stick, like, and it's hard to make plays with the stick in your face. So yeah, I think it's super important to start, you know, if you can get the puck to the middle on a line rush and then distribute from there, it causes so much more chaos and confusion and like more communication on the other end, defensive end. Oh, absolutely. I, and I mean, 
Now, look, there's going to be a lot of time where you can't enter in the middle, and that's okay. Yeah. But if you can still have that net drive, which often may be a winger, sometimes it's going to be a center. It could even be a D, right? If that right. D's joined the rush, right? Yeah. Being able to know what the other team's doing. They don't want you in the middle. I'm going to go to the middle, right? And I'm going to make a responsible play at the boards and hopefully end up in a goal. Yeah, agreed. All right, so now let's move in to the offensive zone. Do you want me to start? Yeah, you start off. Start us off with the O zone. Okay. Well, I don't have too much written down for the episode. <laughs> You're good. But, okay, so one thing that I think is really, like, underlooked at, I think maybe at, like, the NHL level, kind of Division One, they kind of get the concept of creating space for your teammates. Oh, yeah. So being, you know, using a pick on defenders. So if Ooh, you, and your, you, you and your center or other winger are scissoring, and for, you know, scissoring is when you guys kind of, cut across each other one guy has the puck the other doesn't it can either be a draw pass or the guy continues with the puck if you can cause chaos in that in that scissor so what i mean by that is if you can set kind of a mini pick on the guy defending your teammate with the puck it kind of it had that now that defender has to deviate his course and go around you in one way or the other and that causes it's really hard to defend when someone gets in your way Oh, yeah. And it can cause a lot of confusion between them as defenders, and it creates space for your teammate. So I think one thing in the offensive zone is learn how to create space for others using your body by setting picks, setting screens, and then causing chaos by scissoring with your teammates and supporting them all over the ice. Because then it opens up stuff for you as well. Oh, 100%. And I think that when you talk about setting picks, right, a little bit of acting going on, right, you got to sell it a little bit, right? Because you could yep. get called for interference if you just body the defender, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. selling it a little bit. I know if anybody's a college hockey fan out there, Cornell down low, that is a huge staple for them, right? Setting picks, oh, okay. creating offense for each other. Yeah. The My go-tos for this, and it builds off of Jack's comments of setting picks and creating space is once that puck goes low to high, so I've passed it to my D, I got to get to the net. And I yeah. got to get to the front of the net. I got to take the goalie's eyes away. I can't be off to the side kind of waving my stick. And sometimes mm-hmm. a pick may be beneficial to get there. If the team that you're playing against is a man-on-man system, you set yeah. one pick, and now I'm at the net by myself. So I think that yeah. getting to yeah. that net is exactly. huge. Is huge. Yeah. yeah, anything to add to that one? Well, I'll say on the other side of that, looking at it from a defenseman standpoint, when that puck goes to the point and you have your guy in the corner, you have to cause as much trouble as you can for him to get to that net. Legal trouble. Now there's a, yeah, right. There's a fine line between being interfering with them and like making it obvious. And then there's another one, uh, you know, on the other side of that, you know, you can hold them up and it looks just like a normal hockey play. Like there's so many times, especially once you get to the higher levels, like they let you battle it out a little bit more when you don't have the puck. Like you could, I mean, at least for like, you could get in full on like war almost in the corners coming out of the corners and like no causer because you're just battling for a position. And it's, it's understood that you guys are battling and no one has the puck. So oh. I think you, you have to try to cause as much chaos for that guy to get to the net. You can't let him have a direct line to the net. Now I have a question for you. I don't know if you remember this. That first week in Springfield, the second year, we were doing a drill where there would be two D in front of the net, coach in the middle at the hash marks and forwards in the corner. Mm -hmm. And it was a full on war. I'm talking 
There was no penalties. You could do anything you wanted. Yeah, yeah. And the guys would, it was a full on battle. And I remember, I think I got somebody in the face one time with a cross check oh, and probably. coach lit me up, which he should have. I mean, it's a dumb thing yeah. to do. But I remember thinking there, I was like, looking back, I'm like, I can't believe like I even did that. Like that is just ridiculous. Like the whole thing is ridiculous. But oh yeah, it just shows, right? Getting to that's pretty important at any level. We, we, so in college, especially my junior year, our coach really harped on like defensemen, like, and forwards, like getting to the net, like on both sides, like forwards, you need to do everything you can to get to the net defensemen. You need to do everything to not let him get to the net. So every Monday we did this draw. I forget what it's called. If my roommate, he knows like every drill that he would be cracking up when I'm telling this, but it was a drill where it's like you pass to the point, And then from there, the defenseman and forward are standing in the corner together right. and it's a battle to get to the net. And then on the other side, the puck goes up to the point and it's a two on two. And there's a two on two down the ice. No, two on two in front of the net. And then the third guy rolls over the top and shoots. And it's like a three on two and then a line rush down. But that really taught because we were doing it every single Monday. And I, my dad always harped on me about this too, about like, you got to be a motherfucker in front of the net and stuff. And I was like, that's not really my game. Like, I don't really like it. But then we started doing this in my junior year this battle drill and I kind of found ways where I could really really deny guys getting to the net without being like you know overly aggressive and stuff and it really helped me like play less defense oh yeah because now my guy is not even close to the puck and it just made my life so much easier by denying him out of the corner versus waiting till he gets to the net to battle Oh, I was yeah. battling with him in the corner instead. And it made my life so much easier. I love what you said there about uh, right, makes your job easier and my guy's not away from the net. right? And this is for D. This is for forwards. right? This is going to happen to everybody. Like forward, you get caught low in the D zone. You're playing at the front of the net. right? Mm-hmm. Take responsibility. right? That That is your guy. right? If you're yeah. in a battle oh, with yeah. him, he's yours. right? If the puck's at the point yeah. and you're locked up with him and he tips it, it's your fault. Right. It's also the guy who didn't block yeah. the shots fault. But yeah. yeah, what I'm saying is like take responsibility for that, right? These battles to get to the net for a winger in the ozone, right? Go win the battle. Right. Take pride in that. Take accountability in that, right? And get to the front of the net. So that's what I, yeah. would, I that's what I would say for a huge responsibility, not only Jack says talking about for D, but for wingers too. Yeah. And I get so I'll 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 add to this because we have a little bit of time here. So I get a lot of questions on like how forwards can score more goals in general. I get this question all the time on like social media, like, Hey, hey, I'm struggling to score. What should I do? And for me, I always have to take a second to answer because it, it, it depends so much on what kind of forward you are. Yeah, it's good. Right, because not everyone is built the same. Not everyone has the same skating level, skill level, and stuff. But in general, what do you think can help a player score more if they're struggling or they want to become, you know, more effective in scoring? I say I'm gonna give two answers. I'm gonna give a simple answer and a complex answer. My simple answer is: if you wanted Jack, if you wanted pizza, where would you go? I'd go to the pizza store. All right. Well, what if you wanted like a donut? The donut shop. And what if you wanted a goal? 
I'd go to the net. Go to the net. I knew. I, I say go that every to time. The, dude. Net. the puck has to go there. You might as well put yourself there. You gotta go to the net. That I, I think that is number one. Is get to the net. Number two, right? Recognize as a forward, right? When when is the time to be creative and when is the time to be simple? Like yeah. I, a joking comment that I hear a lot is right the ozone and especially going to be behind the goal line, maybe b- lower than the hash marks. That that's a creative zone. Do whatever you want down yeah. there. If we have the right defensive positioning, if you're feeling yourself and you want to right attempt something down low, two hundred feet away from the goal, our own goalie. Okay, yeah, try it. But let's not be creative on the entries that often, right? Maybe if it's there, sure. But we're not looking to that every single time. So recognize when to be creative, when to not be. And then simple, right? You never know what's going to happen. Throw something on net, mm-hmm. hits a shin pad, goes in. Maybe it hits you yep. and it goes in. Maybe it hits a, re- a stanchion, right? Like a, like a on the glass, yeah. on a rim, yeah. and it goes yeah. in, right? You never know. So yep. simplify, know when to be creative. And if you want yep. a pizza, you go to the pizza store, you want goals, let's get to the net. Go to, go to the net store. Go to the goal score at the net. I love it. So, yeah. So I think like I'm going to, I totally agree with those and that those are my answers. So I'm going to go and try to be a little bit more creative here. And I think one thing, the first thing that you have to do as any player who wants to do something right is you have to take a step back and kind of analyze your game, realize what you're good at. So I'll just give an example. So if you're a bigger forward and you're not the shiftiest guy, you're, you don't have the greatest hands, but you have a really good shot, like a quick release and you're a big body. The two things that I'm going to focus on personally is one, like you said, getting to the net and being a menace in front of the net because it's really hard to move a big guy out of front of the net. So I'm going to make sure that I am in front of the net as much as I can. And then the next thing I'm going to make sure to do, because I identified this, I'm going to try to find now soft spots on the ice where I'm able to catch and release and shoot. Yes. Right. So I'm going to find areas on the ice where I know that I based on my skill level and what I'm good at, I'm going to put myself in those positions more often than not. I'm probably not going to be in the corner trying to do a bunch of cutbacks and slip it through a guy's leg and then get to the net. No, nope. because that's not my game. No. And it's, and I'm going to try. Like you said, finding the space, right? You've got to move your feet to find space, right? A lot of guys are yeah. kind of like coast around the zone. Like, Oh, like I'm in the high slot. Like there's nobody around me. It's yeah, like, no, like there's a stick a foot away from you. Exactly. Like go <laughs> yeah. engage in the battle. And then when you think it's mm-hmm. right, boom, I popped to that spot. Now I'm open. Or right now yep. there's somebody on me. I popped to another spot. Yep. Watch, go watch. If you, this is, don't go watch NHL. Go watch Steph Curry get open for shots. Ooh, that's good. Have you ever seen him run around the court Sprint. and use, and he uses picks around people. He uses other people's bodies to create space for himself Ooh, that's by running good. around the court and learning how to, Use other because he's not the biggest guy. He's like whatever in the NBA. I think he's six three, so he's not the biggest guy. But he knows how to create space for himself by, I mean, his handles. But then also using other people around him to his advantage. Oh, that you just dropped a golden nugget for these listeners. Yeah. A little That's right. golden you got, nugget. Watch other sports. Watch how they create space in other sports. Gold. It's yeah. It's it's incredible. So yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that wraps it up for me in terms of the winger talk. Do you have anything else or any other hockey comments that you want to make or bring up? I would say one, I guess one little tiny detail, right? When there is a turnover in the ozone for a winger, right? We Mm -hmm. stop on the puck. We sprint back through the middle with our stick on the ice. Call that reloading or back checking. 
You never know when a D is going to fumble it and it comes right to you. Maybe he's looking cross ice. He doesn't see you back checking. Boom. Now it's on your team, right? A lot of turnovers come from those reloads. Let's remember to do that on the defensive side of the puck. I think to a mini thing that you just said there, that's super important. Stick on the ice. You never know when a puck's going to come flying across and your stick's there. Now you can tip it. If it's in the air, you're probably not going to get to that puck. One of the best. You got it. Have your stick in the lanes. One of the best analogies I ever heard is I was working at a summer camp as I do every summer and kid was holding a stick like this, just like this up in the air. And one of the other counselors looked at him and said, buddy, it is not a flag. Like, <laughs> holding a stick like this. It's not a flag. Yeah. It's not a flag. It's not a flag. It's not a flag. It's, it's a hockey not. stick. It is. Yeah. Put that thing on the ice. Use it to your advantage as much as you possibly can. I love it. So does that wrap up hockey talk? I think, I think so. That was, that was fantastic in my book. That was good. That was really good. That was good. I love not it. to pat ourselves on the back, but I'm patting ourselves on the back. That was good. We, we did good on that one. Okay, nice. So I'll get into it. I'll introduce it. So this past weekend, we don't we don't like to introduce dates because this is a timeless podcast with tons of golden nuggets. Unless it's me <laughs> and, uh, dissecting a grasshopper's ass on Valentine's Day. <laughs> true. Okay. True. True. Then there's dates involved in that. But this past Sunday was the Super Bowl where we had the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles going toe-to-toe in a pretty good battle. It was a great battle. So I want to get your take first off on the commercials. Did you watch, by the I way? Did. I, I did. I did. I did okay. watch. I was not a fan of the commercials this year. I, they were lame. No, they, they, were, lame. they were lame. I, I'm usually looking for a good Doritos. I'm looking for a good M&Ms. There wasn't a lot of it. One commercial that did intrigue me was the shoon the the Nike one, like about Phil Knight, I, Matt Damon, and somebody else. They're making a movie about shoe dog. Oh yeah, that that looks good. That was the one. That's my number one commercial, but not impressed whatsoever no. with the commercials this year. There really wasn't any like, I don't know. Not that I I chuckled at maybe one or two, but not none where I was like, not like those old Doritos commercials yeah. or like this Bud Light ones that had like the storylines behind them and stuff. Yeah, nothing like that. They were pretty mild, and I was. The only thing I was glad of was besides the Jesus commercials from what I can remember, like there wasn't too much like political yeah, there was a, it stance wasn't. being taken. It seemed like they mo- toned it down a lot with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, I can't say I paid too much attention to that. I was more so hunting for those funny ones. Yeah. But I mean the commercial, even if the commercials were uh, great, I don't think they'd top the game. I, I love the game. It was a great game. The game was Unbelievable. Do you think that call at the end was a holding or not? You know what? After I listened to some of the interviews with the Eagles players, it it sounds like it was a holding. Now, I got beef with this, though, because Juju oh, Smith-Schuster yes, on Twitter. dude, the tweet, the tweets. Juju oh Smith-Schuster on Twitter posted a Valentine's Day card with yeah. the guy who held him. Caption was, I'll, or the, the card said, I'll hold you when it matters most to and from. Now, Dude, I, I, this is athlete to athlete. I get that you're in the NFL. I get that you make way more money than I do. I get that. Right. But person right. to person, man, like that is messed up. Right. It, yeah. Sportsmanship, karma, it's all going to come back. So not, not a good that, move. Not cool. I did not like that at all. I saw a thing where it was like one of the Eagles players tweeted back at him. And it's now it's like, oh, God, we're going to get into Twitter war here. But it's like I had more interceptions than you had t- touchdowns all season. And I was like, 
I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. But he did win a ring. So I know it's just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I saw that tweet. I was like, dude, come on, like have a little bit of respect for a guy that you just crushed his dreams essentially. Yeah, you don't. That's it's messed up. I don't even like talking about it. It makes me cringe. So anyway, yeah, the game was good. Yeah. I love Jalen Hurts. I, he played a great game. I'm happy for him. He carries himself so well in the press conferences. Mahomes did dude. good too. I yeah. mean, it, it was a great game. That was a that was an unreal game. That was probably one of the. I mean, actually, last Super Bowl was pretty good too. But um, that was a that was one of the better Super Bowls that I think I've seen. Oh, speaking of, speaking yeah. of tweets, though, I saw a great tweet. Remember the Chiefs guy like didn't run in for the touchdown. He took a knee right before the goal line. Yeah, yeah. So I saw a picture of that. It said this picture yeah. should be hanging in all high school locker rooms. You just had a guy who could have fulfilled his his mm-hmm. childhood dream of scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and he sacrificed that for the team. I did like yeah. that tweet way more than the Juju one. I did. I saw that too. And the only thing I was thinking about that is, I mean, that's a pretty common play yeah. for players to do. And it's happened in other Super Bowls too, where guys have taken knees on the one yard line. But overall, yes, I agree that I think that's such a good lesson for players to learn about like team winning versus personal accolades. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think about the uh, halftime show? You know what? I love the music. I I'm a big Rihanna fan. I did legend. She's a yeah, legend. some great songs. Diamonds. Where have you been? Only yeah. girl in the world. Some great songs. One thing I I was interested in. I don't watch enough Rihanna. I've never been to a Rihanna performance or anything. But she seemed a bit like disinterested almost. I don't know. Well, she, I, She's pregnant. I think it was because she was pregnant. Yeah, but like, so does she that make move you around too much? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. You can't move around like too much when you're pregnant. That's true. That's true. Well, and like the speakers and who knows? Like, Can you imagine being that baby? Like when you're born and you're like 18 or like whatever, 15, they're like, oh, like here's you're- a video of your mom performing the Super Bowl with you in her stomach. It's pretty. I mean, I give her a lot of respect. It can't be an easy thing to do, especially standing up like on those floating like things that they had going there. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know how much prep goes into that too? Oh, like yeah. The, like the amount of time she had to spend while pregnant, like prepare, preparing for the Super Bowl halftime performance is like crazy. It was good. It was good. I, it was good. I like I like how uh, simple they kept it. Yeah. Yeah. She's singing. They're dancing. I wish I thought they were going to bring out Eminem or Jay-Z. Oh, I thought Jay-Z was coming yeah. out for sure. Oh, uh, I I'm surprised they didn't bring out anyone. I feel like they usually do bring out like one other person. Well, I want to say last year they brought out like a ton. Well, that was in the LA one yeah. with like Snoop Dogg and all that. Kendrick and, and all Dre, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That one was pretty 50. crazy. It just had too much going on. Too much going there was on. a lot going on in that one. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. It was good. The performance was good. The game was good. It was a good experience. It was good. It was good to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so I want to ask you this question. So if you were, in quotes, designing the Super Bowl, I got two questions for you. One, I'll start out. Okay, one, where would you play the Super Bowl at? Like if you were designing it or where would you set the stage for the Super Bowl? I'm going to go Florida or LA. Now, those are very conservative answers. I'm going to give it wild take here. Okay. Maybe we put the Super Bowl on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> that would be unreal, actually. They do basketball on an aircraft carrier. True. Oh, they could I'm pretty sure Army plays Navy on an aircraft carrier. 
Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. It's really cool, actually. That would be, and it's like super exclusive. Oh, that would be. That's, so that, that, that's my that's my more liberal answer. <laughs> that's actually unreal. Hold on, let me write this down before I forget. Um, hold on, because I want to hear yours too. Okay, yeah, running. Okay, so, I'll so Chicago. So there was a racetrack in Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is west of the city. I live about my family lives about like twenty minutes from there. They used to have a horse racing track there, and a couple of years ago. It closed down during COVID. I think maybe right after COVID, it closed down. And now so they have this huge plot of land there. Well, the Bears just officially bought it today. They've been talking about it, and I'm pretty sure they just officially announced that they bought the plot of land today. Wow. So they're supposed to be building. They Not for sure yet, because they still might play downtown Soldier Field, but they're supposed to be putting up this massive stadium there indoor with like all like a bunch of restaurants are on there they're supposed to create like a ton of jobs in that area so that's where i want to see the super bowl in chicago right by my house 20 minutes some of my friends live five minutes away they have condos there now five minutes away from this area now here's a hot take unreal here's a hot take i have on that now that i hear that opinion okay the purpose of the super bowl right we're deciding the best team in the league the best team in the league right yeah okay now when we're indoors we're limiting the we're limiting the environmental conditions that could affect the game which i think for the super bowl is a plus right i don't want wind or anything playing a factor, really. Yeah. No, I totally same with the ground. Like I don't need people slipping like they were this year. Like I want I want team versus team. I want to see who the best team is. Mm-hmm. Or is the best team, and this is what I'm torn on. Does dealing with the environment make them the best team? That's what I'm torn with. Well, okay, so it, then you'd have to make it fifty fifty. Like if you're playing Seattle versus Buffalo, the first half would have to be raining and the second half would have to be snow. Maybe that's maybe that's what you they're gonna I do mean, in Chicago. You know what I mean? You know Aircraft I mean? carrier, so. but but the Super Bowl doesn't have to be inside. It just has to be in a warm area, warm because they had it in Tampa um, when the Bucks won it, and it's that's an outdoor stadium. Yeah, it's right. I think they just try to take out like the cold cold factor out of it. That's fair. That's totally fair. So, all right, so, yeah, I would say that's where I would have it. What was the other question? Okay, so my other question. So now I got a comment though about the Super Bowl because it really pisses me off, but. Okay, but I'll ask you the question. Who would be your halftime performer? Ooh. Anybody? I don't know. Uh, deceased yeah, or alive? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with mm. Avicii. Ooh. I'm going to learn how to love without you. That's what I'm going with. Does he sing those songs or does someone No, else? no, no. He's just the uh, so DJ. He's the was, DJ he right? was the DJ. He passed away. Right. What if you had, that'd be cool if you had like live singers for those songs though. Yeah, so like cool. someone's singing and then like he's, he's mixing. So then you're, that'd be cool. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. I would go with like, I want to go with like, not necessarily ACDC, Ooh. but a rock band. I want to be. Death Leopard. I would, yeah. I would love to see that stadium just rocking out. You know, Death Leopard has a one armed drummer. He's got one arm. <laughs> what? Yeah. No way. Yeah, he's got one arm drum. I'm going to confirm smokes. that. That's unreal, actually. Okay. So this is my last comment I want to make about the Super Bowl, and it also applies to the NBA Finals as well. 
and I guess any sport that isn't hockey, probably. The thing that really pisses me off about the NBA Finals Championship, the Super Bowl, and probably, you know, MLB or whatever, but it pisses me off that right when they win, they can't even celebrate with their team because there's so many camera crews on the field. Yeah, I agree. It drives me nuts. You can't even hug your teammates or find them because there's camera crews everywhere. There's all these media people like you do not need to be on the field right now. What are you what are you getting out of this? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because like you'd think with basketball, right? There's only what 11 or what is it? 15 guys a team probably. Yeah, 12 12 guys guys on the roster. Okay, so 12 guys on roster football. We got probably 100 plus. So it's like 55 in the NFL. All right, I'm an idiot. Sorry. (laughs) College, right. college has like a hundred. Okay, though. so say fifty-five plus, right? Maybe you know everybody on the team. Maybe you don't. I don't know how close you are. Basketball, you'd think they'd want to. Football, I don't know yeah. if they'd want to. But hockey, I think that's what makes hockey so special. Is like you got your twenty-three guys, twenty-four guys, maybe twenty-eight with the scratches, and that's what you're going yeah. with. But and then also on hockey, like there's glass everywhere, so people can't just run on the ice. Yeah. Like you get to celebrate with the twenty-five guys that you just battled the whole eighty-game season with. You get to celebrate with them right away. Yeah. That's like, a great that is the first people you get to hug. You get to hold the trophy with everything in the NFL NBA. As soon as that whistle blows, there's a hundred camera crews on there and you can't even find like a guy who you just went to war with for eight months straight. Mm-hmm. And he's your best friend and you can't even con- uh, celebrate with him because there's all these camera crews. It drives me up a wall. Yeah. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. I mean, it, it happens so fast. The next thing you know, they're on the stage and it's, I mean, it's over. How do you, last one, how do you feel about, so for the NFL, they hand the trophy to the owner. First. Yeah. That's I don't the first person. That. I don't, I mean, it depends if they, if they love the owner, like I'm for it. I don't know if everybody does. I also saw a really questionable video of Roger Goodell hugging. What's the guy's name? Frank Jones. Is that his name? The owner of the no, he was hugging like oh, a lineman. Oh, uh, Chris oh, Jones, I maybe know. I think his name is maybe it's Chris. I don't know. He's on the Chiefs, and he oh, said, "Oh, he a him, defenseman lineman? Yeah, defenseman lineman. Oh, okay, yeah." And yeah. he said to him, "He was like, I don't care. I, I don't care how you hit the quarterback." And I was like, "What? Like that's, that's an odd. odd thing to say for a commissioner of the league." But I don't know. He's trying to protect his quarterbacks. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> but I don't know. This is what yeah. it is. Maybe the NFL's rigged. Who knows? Yeah. Script. Maybe they scripted. Yeah, maybe they scripted that Super Bowl. We'll we'll never know. We'll never know. But all right, does this wrap up episode number seven of the No One Told Me Hockey Podcast? This wraps up episode seven, arguably, and I say this after every single podcast. Arguably, usually don't say it though on the. I'm saying this one on the cast. Arguably, one of our best yet. We talked about dissecting worms. (laughs) We talked about men's league. We talked about exploding skates. The responsibilities of a winger. The Super Bowl. A whole range of stuff, but honestly, one of my favorites yet. Would you agree? I, I honestly forgot we were on a podcast there. It's, it's <laughs> enjoyable. It's enjoyable. <laughs> that was unreal. Um, it was a great hang today. I know you got a lot going on, so good luck with playoffs. Good luck with school, and I will probably talk to you tomorrow morning. Right on. Everybody be safe. Follow Jack on TikTok at Hockey Aid, and we'll see you guys oh, next cool. week. All right. See you, Fletcher. Yep.